Awesome. We are in this series on Dangerous Exchange, and so whether you're at the Northwest Campus, the Midwest City Campus, Indianapolis, Mabel Bassett, watching online, or right here at the OKC Campus, we're going to jump into this series and uh, just pick up where Pastor has left off as we're looking at this reality that some things are not worth everything. We've got to be careful about what we Exchange. Now, let me tell you a quick story before we get into our text. Uh, my wife, Casey, was gone on a ministry trip for a week a few weeks ago, which means we kind of had role reversal while I typically would travel and speak and whatnot and do ministry, and she would take care of the six, you heard me correct, six kids that we have at home, and she homeschools them. Come on, you know that takes a miracle of the Lord right there for all the six kiddos, but she takes care of the kids and, uh, and does homeschool with them. I'm typically traveling. This past event, she, she was uh, gone doing some ministry stuff. I said, I got this, and she said, are you sure? I said, I've got this. This is not a problem. I've got this. We'll have a blast. Right, kids? And they're like, Mom, don't leave. You know what I mean? You can just tell. And I was like, we've got this. And so she actually took the older two with her, uh, which you think, oh, good, that only leaves you, you know, with like four kids. That's easier. But she took the oldest two. See, right? You know what I'm telling? Because they always clue me in like that. Like that. They help me, but with them gone. So anyway. So when things got a little hard, my like default is to when you get off schedule, because she leaves you a schedule. When you get off track, when the kids throw you a curveball, it can it can mean only one thing. It's time to go to Incredible Pizza Company. That's what it means. Hey, this will get us back on track. I've got a picture. I want to. I want you to know. I'm like for real. This is what we did. So we go to Incredible Pizza, and uh, that's the little angel there at the bottom right. She's here with me on this trip, but uh, she was celebrating her birthday, you know, so she's got that hand on that hip going on right there. She's like, yeah, I got that big old bow. So anyway, she, we, we were there for it. And so we go in, and Allison, who's on the left there uh, in the white shirt, long sleeve shirt, she's like, Dad, can you win me one of those bouncy balls, the big yellow balls with a smiley emoji face. Like, can you win me one of those balls? Oh, my little friend. And so I was like, oh, yeah, girl, I got you. So we went over to the game. It cost three bucks to play the game. Hello. You already know it's a ripoff before you even play. But I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, daddy's got you. You know, so I get over there and I get the claw. You know, I'm moving the claw back and I move the claw over to the right. And it drops down. It picks it up. It brings it back. It comes back. We get it. They're all cheering. Yeah, Dad. I'm like, what's up? Who's your dad? I mean, this, this is a great moment right there. I'm like, yeah. And then uh, Angel's like, Dad, you won that first? She already has one of those at home. I'm like, she does? You do? She's like, yeah, but I wanted this. I was like, you, you are. And so she's like, what about me, though? And I'm like, well, it's $3, you know, a game. And and that thing's not worth 99 cents. You know, somebody's making some serious bank off this, you know, and I already did it once. She's like, Dad, what about for me? I'm like, all right, Daddy's got you. You know, so I just pull out, and I swipe it, and then you, you, I'm moving it over. This time it goes down, and it doesn't even come close. It just got, and comes back up empty. You know, that, that like, kind of like a walk of shame, that whole rewind. You're just watching everybody. Look. He didn't even get close. You feel like everybody in there is seeing you, you know, and I'm like, Oh, man, well, let me try one more time here because I nailed that first one. So I swipe it and it goes again. And this time it, it picks it up and starts kind of moving and then falls back down. 
And I'm like, well, I, I kind of had to shake it up a little bit. You know, I had to reposition them, so I got it now. So I swipe it again, and, and this time it gets it, and it moves. I'm not even joking. Like, this is how it was going. It moved it all the way over, starts coming all the way back, and drops it right before it gets out. Now I'm thinking, it's rigged. There's a man in the back going, I got him. I've got him. I'm watching him through the mirror or something, and so... I'm like, hey, that's, that's a lot of money. Y'all, y'all can just share that ball, right, when we get home. She's like, Dad, please. I was like, hey, okay. So I ended up, I get it, comes out, drops it out. After 20-something dollars later, I finally won it. Now, here's what's hilarious about this is that whenever we get home, I walk past this little yellow emoji ball, and it's got this little expression on there that I feel like, I feel like it's looking at me, you know, like whenever I walk by, and I'll show you why, because I brought it all the way from home. I brought it. I want to show you. You you see what I'm saying? Like every time I walk past this thing, I feel like it's going, sucker. You know, I feel like every time. I just feel like it's going, yeah. You pay like a hundred bucks for me. You know, I just feel like it's getting the last laugh on me. Well, we're talking about some dangerous exchanges. Now, some exchanges are good exchanges, right? Some exchanges are bad exchanges, like, you know, 20-something bucks for a a $2 ball, bad exchange. But then there are some exchanges that can only be described as a dangerous exchange, I want to talk to you today about the dangerous exchange of exchanging obedience for comfort. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the dangerous exchange of when we are tempted to exchange obedience to God for our own personal comfort. Now, let's just be honest right out of the gate. When we're talking about comfort, we are all creatures of comfort. Can I get a good amen right there? We all like to be comfortable. And it's not that the Bible says, you know, that God's against comfort, as if he's going, is that comfortable? Yes, Lord, then it's sin. It's not that God's saying that. But what we are learning is that when my personal comfort keeps me from carrying out God's plan, that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Now, how many of you have a favorite chair at home? It's just comfortable. It's where you sit to watch the game, to read the mag. Anybody else sits in that chair? Come on, you're just calling down fire on them. You're like, get out of my chair now, right? That's your comfortable chair. Anybody have any comfort foods? Huh? You know, when you're happy, peanut M&Ms. When you're sad, peanut M&Ms. When you're scared, peanut M&Ms. You know, when, it doesn't matter. It's always a good time for peanut M&Ms. You have your comfort food. Some of you have comfort clothes, your favorite shirt. You know, you've been wearing it for a hundred years, and your wife is like, would you please get rid of that shirt or that favorite hoodie? And it stinks and smells. Everybody else can smell it, but you can't smell it. You know, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. I said that in the earlier service, and I literally saw a wife go, pointing out. I was like, man, she's judging him right here in church. She's just calling him out. So comfort is not necessarily bad, but when it keeps me from the will of God, it's not only a bad thing, but do you understand it has become a dangerous thing? 
I want us today to look at the life of Simon Peter. This is one of the heroes of the Bible. This is a man that God used for miraculous, amazing things. He was one of the 12 disciples. He wrote two books of the Bible. He was a part of all kinds of miracles. And what we learn is that he also provided a model for us for what happens when you exchange comfort for obedience instead of obedience for comfort. He actually modeled both for us today. You're probably somewhat familiar with this story of Simon Peter being the one who denied that he even knew Jesus and said that he went out and wept bitterly. That's just part of his story. It's not the totality of it. Today I want us to learn a few things from him, and you can just jot some of these things down if you're taking notes. Number one is this. We must come out of our comfort zone in order to get into the Jesus zone. We must come out of our comfort zone to get to the Jesus zone. Peter began his relationship by G- with Jesus by leaving his own comfort zone. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18, 19, and 20. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 20 says, at once. Somebody say at once. Come on, shout. At once. It says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. Why do we highlight those two words, at once? Here's why. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. It says that Jesus stepped into their world and he said, leave that behind and follow me. And it says, at once. Somebody say at once. It says at once they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. Why? Because delayed obedience is disobedience. Lord, I'll follow you, just not yet. God, I know what you're speaking to my heart and I'll do it at some point. Lord, I know that you're calling me to take this step, but not yet. It's, that's, that's this delayed thought. This, uh, okay, Lord, I'll do your will, but in my way. God, I'll follow your plan, but in my time. No, it says at once. And this is huge because Peter is leaving his fishing business behind to follow Jesus. It's what he knew how to do. It's what he was familiar with. It's what he was successful with. He had built this thing. His business was sailing. He was successful. He had worked at building all those long hours and sacrifices to build towards a point of fruitfulness and effectiveness. And now Jesus is calling him to change. Come on, by a show of hands, how many of you do not like change? Wave at me right now. You just don't like change, right? I mean, some of you, it's like a near-death experience for you. You know, if you're going to, some of you start hyperventilating. You know, you get all off track. If somebody just tilts just a, just a little bit, okay, we're leaving at 6. I thought we were leaving at 5.30. Oh, something came up, we're leaving at 6. But you said 5.30. You know what I mean? They just struggle, and they have to work through. I thought we are having pizza tonight. Well, I thought we'd go with burgers. But you said pizza. You know, and it just struggles, and they work. And you're like, come out of her in Jesus' name. You know, it's just like, what's going on? Change is hard. Change is hard to a degree for all of us. But what about when Jesus steps in and calls you from comfort zone to his zone? 
What about when he calls you out of something that is familiar? What would cause me to ask this question? Why is Jesus calling him to leave? Why does Jesus call you to leave and for me to leave? And here's why. The blessing is always found in the Jesus zone, not the comfort zone. The blessing that God has for your life will always be found, always be found in the Jesus zone, not the comfort zone. But by nature, we want to hang out where we are most comfortable. But what you have to understand is that comfortable Christianity is an oxymoron. This shouldn't even go together. Because there's, there's not the call to follow Jesus for the sake of this is the most comfortable path. He didn't say it's always going to be easy. He just said it's always going to be worth it. He didn't say that it's always going to be fun. He just promised that it would always be fulfilling. He said it would always result. It will always reward. But what you find in leaving the comfort zone and pursuing the Jesus zone is that there are times that it's scary. There are times that you're having to let go of. You're having to turn your back on. Culture says pursue comfort at all costs. Whatever you have to exchange for the sake of your personal comfort, do it. But Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple to live for me must deny themselves. That's denying your personal comfort. And take up your cross daily. That means you're going to have to die to some things, guaranteeing some discomfort. And what? And follow me. Listen, it's easy to hold a grudge. It's hard to forgive it's easy to criticize your spouse. It's hard to obey the Word of God when it says, serve and honor your spouse. Let me ask you a question. Has God been speaking to you about stepping out of your comfort zone to obey Him? What is it that God's been whispering to you about saying, I know that this is going to cause you to take a deep breath, but I want you to let go of that and follow me. Perhaps like he did with Peter. Perhaps God is speaking to you about getting uh, out of that business that you're familiar with and that you're comfortable with and leaving your career for the sake of pursuing a calling. Maybe God's speaking in your heart saying, listen, you've been using your talents, your gifts, and your abilities to make money. I want you to use all that I've placed within you to go and build my kingdom. You've been using all of your time for the sake of what is personally fun, pleasurable, and enjoyable. And it's not that God says, leave that and be miserable. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. But I am saying it could be that there's something bigger and greater that we're missing out on simply because we're so consumed with comfort that we're missing out on the calling of what God is speaking to our hearts. Let me give you a second thing. Number two, it's this. We must come out of our comfort zone to experience the miraculous zone. We must come out of our comfort zone to experience the miraculous zone. Back to the story of Simon Peter. Remember when Peter was in the boat, and it was late at night, Jesus came walking on the water, and all the disciples thought it was a ghost? Do you remember that, when Jesus like, don't be afraid, it's just me, and Simon Peter says what to him? He says, Lord, if it's you, 
Call to me so that I can walk out there on the water with you. Remember that story in the Bible? Now, most of us will remember it because we laugh at what happens next, right? You remember? It's like Peter gets out, starts walking on water, but it says that he got his eyes off of Jesus and onto the winds and the waves, and he started to do what? He started to sink and drown. He started to go under. He went from this bold, Lord, call to me to come out there to you, to this, he's doing it, and now all of a sudden he's going, Jesus, save me. All of a sudden, he's not as bold anymore. But you know what? What we fail to realize is that he may have gone under, but at least he got out of the boat. Peter would have never walked on water if he didn't leave his comfort zone. A lot of times, we want to be a part of something that's miraculous, but we're not willing to let go of comfort to follow the master who leads into the miracles. And so we're holding on to comfort, and we're missing out on the supernatural work that God wants to do in us and through us. I mean, for Simon Peter, he steps out and he's walking on water simply because he's willing to get out of the comfort of the boat. Listen, I don't know about you, but I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. Anybody else, you say that would be true of you? I would rather take some chances when I hear the whispers of the Spirit and trust that God's going to be able to do the miraculous if I will simply trust in Him. I wonder what kind of miracle is waiting for you to climb out of the boat of your comfort comfort so that God can use you to do the miraculous. I wonder what it is that has your name on it. I wonder how many of you would be a part of the miracle of life change. Sometimes we think in terms of miracles like a burning bush or an audible voice or, or handwriting on the wall, you know, or, or something like sensational, fire falling from heaven. How many of you guys know that the most miraculous thing that can happen is when somebody's heart is away from God, but God woos them back. He cleans them up. He heals the brokenness, and he starts a brand new life for that person. How many of you guys know that's the best Miracle that could ever happen. And check this out. This has been my observation as I read the Word of God and as I follow His voice. God works His miracle through His people. In other words, God doesn't just come and send an angel to save everybody. He may work through a speaker. He may work through a preacher. But oftentimes, he just works through his people who would simply say, God, I'm going to let go of what would be comfortable here in this moment in order to step into what could be miraculous if you would choose to use me in this situation. I wonder what kind of miracle could happen if you obeyed his voice and says, I'm going I'm to invite my friend at work to come to a church service with me on a, on a weekend. I, I wonder what would happen in the miracle in your home if you went to your wife or to your husband and said, you know what, I know one of the things that we could start doing is let's just start praying together and see what happens there. You can see God work miracles in your marriage if you'd simply say, this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but I'm willing to get out of my comfort zone and do what I feel like God's calling me to do. I know that for some of you, you're a part of the small groups here, and that's been a life-giving thing for you, and that's been a helpful thing for, uh, for you. Others of you have been a little less uh, apt to do that and jump into it. You're missing out on not only what God can do in you. Some of you would say, I don't need that. Well, what if it's not so much about what you need, but what God wants to miraculously do through you that somebody else may need, but we're saying that's uncomfortable, so we say, no, what we're doing is living in disobedience. I wonder what miracle awaits you. I wonder what kind of supernatural work can happen in your family, can happen as you pray with your kids or with your husband or with your wife or at your work if you would simply say yes to Jesus. Let me give you this third and this final thought here is simply this. We must come out of our comfort zone to get to our potential zone. 
We must come out of our comfort zone to get to our potential zone. Well, back to Peter's story again. Remember, he denied the Lord how many times? Three times. said, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not with him. I don't even know him. Three times he denies that he even knows Jesus. Can you imagine what he must have been feeling? Scripture says that after he failed the Lord through denying him, it says that he fled, he ran out, and he wept bitterly. Felt like a failure. I can relate. I don't know about you, but there have been times that I failed to do what I should have done, and in my heart I just felt so broken, so ashamed. And then you add to that, not only in that moment when Jesus needed him to support him and be there for him, did Peter deny him, but Jesus goes on to be crucified, executed, buried in a tomb. And so now, not only is Peter struggling with his own failure, but now he's full of fear because he's going, this is not what I thought I left everything for. This is not why I said yes. So he's afraid. He's confused. And yet we all know the rest of the story. Jesus doesn't stay dead, but he rises. He, he conquers death, hell, and the grave. And so he is resurrected. And then when it says that he's sending to say, go and get the disciples. I want to talk to them. Do you remember what it says in John 21? It says, go and get the disciples. And then it says, and Peter. You know why? Because he's going, hey, when you go to get the disciples, Peter's going to be hiding. All right? So go ahead and say, Peter, I see you over there behind the bush. Jesus said, yep, you too. Come on. Because Peter may have been thinking, surely not me. Because we think like that. We think that our failure forfeits our purpose and our potential and our future. But how many of you are thankful that our God is a God of grace? He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God of the second chance. He's a God of the third chance and the fourth chance. Listen, it doesn't matter how many times you have failed. Don't give up on God because he's not giving up on you. You need to know this today, that you got to let go of that comfort. Sometimes our comfort is wallowing in our own misery. It's living with our own frustration of our own failure. It's living in our own insecurity of uh, nobody else will probably love me. Nobody else would probably choose me. Uh, God would never want to use me. And all of that is from the devil. God is full of grace and mercy. And so it says in, in John chapter 21, and Peter said in verse 3, I'm going to go out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. You know why? They went back to their old ways because they went back to what was comfortable and familiar. Instead of saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I may have blown it. I may have missed it. I may have fumbled. I may have stumbled. I may have fallen. But just because you get knocked down doesn't mean that you got knocked out. Just because I messed up doesn't mean that it's over. I've got to leave this desire that says, let me go back to my old ways. And remember that Jesus is the one who said, let go of that. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so you know what? Peter listened up, he wised up, and he stood up and he spoke up. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. Peter, this is when they're launching the worldwide church, okay? This is the birthing of God's church. And he chose Peter. Imperfect, flawed, just like you, just like me, Simon Peter. He says, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, 
You'll come into your potential zone. I can use you to be a fisher of men. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, that Peter was preaching. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I've preached a lot of times, and I've seen a lot of people come to know Jesus, but I've never preached a sermon and saw 3,000 people come to know Jesus at one time. And yet my race was not his race, like my journey is not his journey, but his model is something I can learn from, and it's simply this. Scotty, if you will give me your everything, and not just take paths that are comfortable, but you'll follow me wholeheartedly, you will realize and experience the purpose and the fulfillment of the potential for which you were created. Do you know that that's true of you? Some of you are familiar with my story that I've shared parts of it on different occasions that uh, I injured my back playing football at Evangel and, and, and had a ruptured disc. And so I've had to have four back surgeries. And so year after year after year, just continued to get worse and worse and worse. All the doctors kept doing was just giving me more and more medication. They just in, kept increasing my dosage to where my life was just revolving around my medication. I couldn't preach without taking the, the strong narcotics that would give me enough ability to stand up long enough to be able to speak. And as soon as the service, service would be over, I'd go and I'd lie down and just, just collapse just from fatigue and from pain. And then I'd get up and do it again. But when the medicine would wear off, then I have the migraines and, and all that comes along with that. And you just be discouraged and you just have these aches and these pains. And so... Finally, I just realized I can't keep living like this. So I went and I checked in at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. They said, well, one of the first things you got to realize is that you have to get off of all of these narcotics because you're dealing with a situation that is, it's a chronic pain situation. And these narcotics are not only not helping you, they're making it worse. And I said, but you don't understand. I cannot function without this medicine. You can't make it without it. I mean, everything, flying, traveling. I can't get on the airplane. I have to time it, right? If not, if I'm on that plane and, 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 and the pain medicine's wearing off, I can't take it. I can't take the pain. I can't stay seated. I have to have the I couldn't even get home from Minnesota if I stopped taking this medicine. They said, you have to trust us. You have to get off the medicine. It's making it worse for you. And they, you go somewhere like the Mayo Clinic. Those people are so smart. You know, they, they say things. You're like, I don't even know what that means, but that sounds really intelligent. You know, they're just brilliant. They have all these studies and all the data, and I said, I'm going to trust. They said, we want you to fill out all this paperwork, take all these tests, personality tests, psychological uh, tests, physical tests, emotional tests. They did all this testing on me. Then we had to get together with this, this room full of doctors and, and, and researchers because they were doing all of these studies, and I had to sit down with them, and they said, well, first to begin with, we need you to understand that this is not going to work unless you start being honest. I was like, what do they mean by that? So what do you mean? They said, well, we're looking at your test, and it's very easy as we compare these different tests to tell if someone's being honest or not. And when there are contradictions or when something's not lining up, we can tell that you're not being forthright. And as we look at all of your studies, you have a condition that is so severe, it's so significant, that anyone carrying what you're carrying and living with what you're living with, you should be severely depressed and or suicidal. But you marked on here that you're not severely depressed nor suicidal. They said, that doesn't make sense. And I was like, I see what you're doing, Jesus. Okay, you just teed this one up right here. And so I said, well, let me take just a minute to let you know why I'm not severely depressed or suicidal. So I start telling them, right, about my relationship with God. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. And they're like, so anyway, so they weren't even really like tracking or paying attention. So they said, we got to get you off of all of this medicine over the course of three weeks. Very, very difficult. Weaning off of the meds. 
doing everything that they told me to do, and we get down to the end. And they said, okay, we've gotten you off of the medicine. I understand that you still have the pain. The pain's not going to go away. You're probably going to have to live with this, but it's not going to be compounded by the narcotics. But there is something else that you need to do, and it's going to be the only way that you're going to be able to have this sustained life of somewhat health. We've looked at your occupation. We look at what you do. We look at the load that you're carrying. With being a public speaker, they called it public speaker, but they knew what I was up to by that point. They said, by being a public speaker, what you're doing is your body is having spikes in adrenaline. Because when you get up to speak in front of people, all of this adrenaline kicks back in, and then you're experiencing adrenal fatigue, and there's a stress that's accompanying that. And when you travel, all of the travel is putting this physical stress and pressure on your body. You're not going to be able to continue in this. You're going to need to find a different career. What I politely explained to the wonderful, helpful, well-intending doctor is that I don't have a career. I don't have a job. I've got a call of God on my life. And he's never told me to take the path of least resistance. He's never told me to take the easy route. I want you to know, I'm not trying to play super spiritual. Like, so now when I get on the airplane, I just start talking to Jesus. No, I get on the airplane and after a few minutes, I start going, man, get me off this airplane. The pain is still there. I'm not saying it's always comfortable. It's not always easy to get up and preach. What I'm telling you is this. I've learned in my life if I'll turn my back on saying what, and I'm not talking about common sense. I'm not talking about doing something dumb. I'm talking about listening to the voice of God and knowing that he is more than able to accomplish anything in you when you say, I'm not chasing comfort. I'm pursuing calling. God can use you. He can help you in ways beyond your wildest imaginations. I look at my life, and when people say, how do you travel so much? Or how do you do this? Or, how do you do that? I'm like, man, you know where the safest place in the world you can be? It's not in your comfort zone. It's in the zone of obedience. You ever exchange obedience for comfort, you're in the most dangerous place, the most horrific place you could ever imagine. Where is that for you? What is it to you that God's saying, listen, in your mind that makes sense. For what you think you personally prefer, that makes sense. But I'm asking you to let go of that and embrace what I have for you. Some of you, God will speak to your heart about leading a small group. And you have all the reasons of why you can't lead a small group. And God is saying, are you going to use that list to justify that? Or are you going to listen to the whispers of my spirit and obey? God has potential for you. Will you pursue it? Listen, water baptism coming up. September 10th. You can even sign up on your way out today. There's a table in the foyer. If you have not been baptized in water, partial obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Jesus said, not only should you turn from your sin, he says, repent. What's the next part? And be baptized. Why? What's such a big deal about being baptized? Because you're saying to the world, I've made a personal decision that I want to make publicly known. I've, defiled, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm no longer living for myself. What's special or magical about going in water and coming back up? It's a picture. My old life is buried with Christ. I've come up new and alive in God. I'm a new creation. I have decided that I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for him. Did you know that blessing awaits you on the other side of obedience?